Right now, it's Gordo's Corner, brought to us by Tylock George Laser Eye Care and A1 Locksmith Security and Safes. Since it is Scary Movie Month for me, and I'm watching a lot of horror films lately, and we got to talking about The Exorcist Believer, which is in theaters right now, and how it was directed by David Gordon Green, who is from here. Uh, I said to Fernando, you know, we ought to try to get David on the show and talk with him. And lo and behold, magic has happened. And David Gordon Green joins us right now on the program. Welcome, David. Abracadabra, here I am. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we definitely wanted to talk to you because you grew up in Richardson, Texas. And, uh, and so that's where you have your start and you are a graduate of Richardson High School. Of which I am in an inaugural class Hall of Famer for Richardson High School. All right, nice, very and, nice. And I want to know if you're in the Hall of Fame there yet. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta knock on the door and see what, what, what the, you know, what the trophy case looks like these days. I gotta, <laughs> yeah. I gotta get a plaque or something. Well, you definitely should be in the Hall of Fame there. Tell us about uh, before we get to the film, The Exorcist Believer. Um, tell us about growing up at Richardson and what your boyhood was like and how it uh, led you into movies. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the thing. Is I was an oddball in Richardson because I was obsessed with movies when most of the kids were into sports. And I think I was in fourth grade, about 1984, and I, I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into football and I'm gonna know everything about the Dallas Cowboys. And, and I still to this day, those are the statistics I know uh, because I was just like drawn into the world of movies, and I lived next to really close to two dollar theaters, so you, for a buck you could go watch a second run movie. And that's how I spent my weekends, you know, just uh, diving into the into the cinemas and, and seeing what's going on on the big screen. And then my parents were really strict, so I'd have to find my mischievous friends, rascal friends, that parents would let us watch rated R movies. And that's how I'd get into my horror diet. But I was just watching everything. What's crazy is that while you were going to the Promenade Dollar Theater, I was the head projectionist there at that time about that what yeah i know it and i which i thought was the coolest job in the world because i got to start the movies and uh and then sit there up in my head projectionist room and i'd take my guitar up there and play (laughs) but uh i loved working at the promenade theater and was sad when they tore it down and everything and i have the last remaining seat from the promenade movie theater oh can i buy it from you i need i need that <laughs> i will actually i will actually give that to you because I'm, I'm at the point in my life where i'm getting rid of stuff and that is a a bit of richardson uh history that i would love to give to you can i can i nerd out deeply for one second sure on thursday night at like 10 o'clock, I would call the Promenade Theater to see what the showtime was the next day. And I remember the recording was, thank you for calling the Promenade 6, the finest entertainment in the state for only a dollar. The Promenade is located on the corner of Coit and Beltline in Richmond. Avoid the long lines and ensure yourself a seat by taking advantage of the same-day ticket sales. When I, bought them. Like, I, I got into that theater that, so deeply. <laughs> that is him imitating me. because I would do Yes, I would do the outgoing voice message. You? Yeah. Oh my God! We've made a connection here. High five! That's beautiful. That is so crazy. It was such a wild theater to work at too, because a dollar theater, of course, doesn't have the prestige of a first-run house. And so the collection, the band of misfits that we had working at that place, was insane. I mean, half of them were criminals. It was just, it, it was the wildest place to work at. And I remember one time, uh, of course, on Wednesday nights, I had to build those movies. And the prints that would come in, a lot of times they would be in horrible shape. And I was supposed to watch all of those movies that night over Wednesday night uh, for the opening, Wednesday and Thursday for the openings on Fridays. 
And I remember I, I built Rocky Five, I think, with one of the reels backwards. So all of a sudden, in the middle of the movie, one of the reels started running backwards. Even better. Even better on that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I had to give everybody their money back, and it was a disaster. But what a great place to work, and I'm so glad that you had some experience going there. All the time. And that was like when I'd run away from home, get pissed at my sisters, that's where I would go and hide out for four hours, and then everybody would be worried I'd come stumbling home. <laughs> and you've directed so many uh, things. Let's mention a few of the other things you directed. The the recent Halloween trilogy, Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. Uh, and uh, I guess it started in 2018, and the last one was in 2022. And you're good buddies with uh, Danny McBride, and you guys have worked together quite a bit on things. And I think he even worked on the story on The Exorcist Believer, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, he he helped me craft the story on this one, and uh, yeah, we go way back. Film, we went film school together, and did Eastbound and Down together, and we did the Righteous Gemstones. So between horror movies, we do a season of a comedy series just to lighten things up and do a little palate cleanser. That's what's so funny to me, David, is that you guys do these horror movies, and then you'll do some Righteous Gemstones or something yeah. in between, and uh, and I bet you guys laugh a lot. We're all big fans of Danny McBride too uh, on the show, but. When you're directing something like The Exorcist Believer and you're, you have these two young girls who are playing demonically possessed people, how, I wonder how filmmaking has changed to try to keep kids from experiencing trauma while they're in something like this. That's, that's a good question. You know, we had the OG, we had Linda Blair from the original film as our consultant on this movie to kind of get her experience and navigate us through some of the ethics. So, you know, it'd be everything from a spiritual advisor to a child psychologist. And then, you know, I'm just a weirdo too. So we just like to have fun and make it, you know, it could be somebody having a seizure and we're doing a, an interpretive dance. And, you know, so we, we make all this, it's a very physical, emotional role, but we try to just make it a good time. And, and it is crazy. And it gets dark on these sets sometimes, like, you know, the atmosphere, the energy you're kind of conjuring can be a little uh, uneasy. But with, with the right people, white personalities around, you always feel a little safer. And when you started off in in Richardson and you start getting interested in film and you move into being a director, you go to UT, and I think you went to a school in uh, in Carolina, right? Uh, it's in South Carolina? For yeah, I film school? At, uh, UT in Austin, and then I was, I was going to – I enlisted in the Marines, and then my mom wasn't too happy about that. So then I uh, – I, I, went to art school in North Carolina, and that's where I met McBride and a lot of my collaborators I still work with. Were you going to do horror movies then? Was that always the, the goal? No, you know, I've always, I've been a sensitive kid, you know, I just like, I, I was always scared of horror movies. I, I always watched them out of the corner of my eye, the Halloween movies in particular, Nightmare on Street, Hellraiser, the things, and, and, uh, and I think it's a way, in a weird way, to, to, to combat that for me. I can, uh, seriously, this is, this is no joke. I haven't had a bad dream since I started making horror movies. Like you get all the <laughs> sensitivity, all that weird uh, subconscious stuff out in your creative life. You go to bed sleeping easy, sweet dreams. We're visiting with David Gordon Green. He's the director of The Exorcist Believer, among many other things. The Exorcist Believer's in theaters right now. Uh, he grew up in Richardson, Texas, as we've mentioned. And you alluded to the fact that your parents were kind of strict. And I think I've seen before that you grew up Baptist. Is that correct? No, I was Presbyterian. Presbyterian, Sunday, Sunday okay. School. Yeah, yeah. All right, I thought yeah, you were... And I went to that, I went to that Jesuit uh, prep school for a year in ninth grade. So it was, and that was about the same time I saw the original Exorcist movie. So I was getting a, a wave of Catholic education the same time I was seeing a movie that got under my skin. And <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> oh, that's so crazy. And I think that this is planned. There is an Exorcist trilogy planned, too, kind of like how you did a Halloween trilogy. There are three movies planned for this. I don't know if you've committed to directing the other two or not, but I think you're involved in them, correct? That's the idea. You know, we, we kind of jump into these as a business model of, like, it's almost like a TV show. Once you do the pilot, why not do the season and series and you've established it? Let's carry it through because your ideas can't fit into two hours, really. So um, we've got a lot of ideas. It'll be up to the, you know, up to the, the world to see if, if that's something I want to dive into or just we have a good architecture, see if we hand that off, how that works. But I'm excited about it. I think it's a lot of fun. Do you ever make it back into Dallas or Fort Worth these days? Oh, yeah, yeah. i got a lot of family, a lot of friends there. So I get back whenever I can. I love it. And I wonder if any of them listen to the ticket, the radio station you're on right now. The sports station. I, I, I a lot of them do because a, a lot of my buds are, are huge sports fans and huge fans of your show, and so I, I have a feeling I'm going to get some weird phone calls today. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, David. I do appreciate you spending time with us. Yeah, it was great talking to y'all. Yeah. All right, that's David Gordon Green. He's the director of The Exorcist Believer, and uh, yeah, if he w- you want to get his number, Fernando, I'll give him that seat from the Promenade Theater. He didn't have to buy it from me. He can have it. Give it's, it to him for a good price. Yeah, no, no, Free. it's nice. You know what? This is interesting. I don't know if David will be interested in this, but that movie theater seat right now is sitting inside the Lee Harvey Oswald bathtub. Wow, throwing the bathtub for no extra. (laughs) It is. They're stored at the same place, and and one stored inside the other one. Did you ever think you'd hear that? The Promenade movie theater seat is inside the Oswald bathtub. Hmm. That's wild that he used to go there. When you yeah. were, probably when you were working there. Yeah, yeah. it was absolutely the time because he's just a few years younger than me. Yeah. And I was a young, you know, I was a teenager when I worked there. So he, he, he used to call and I'm telling you, he got my words exactly right the way I used to say them on the outgoing message. That's so funny. The yeah, promenade theater when I'd list all the movie times. That's crazy. And I, oftentimes I would do bits when recording that. I would do it in different voices. Huh. Imagine recording the outgoing. <laughs> so you heard fake message. Jerry doing the. Uh, uh, I wasn't doing fake Jerry at the time. <laughs> Bruce Bochy running down. No, I movies. wasn't doing Bruce Bochy hey, running down the Gordo. times of movies. Sports panties. You know, I used no, to. Uh, I was not doing sports panties and then laugh. I used to go to another dollar theater, and I always enjoyed the the bargain that it was. But it would always take like a few weeks before I could go back, just because of the experience there was just. Oh, it so was so subpar. Yeah, I mean, you're very you're bombed out. Feet stuck to the carpet, or yeah, the, you'd walk, yeah, and it sounded like it sound, you sounded like Squidward when you walked. <laughs> the springs would poke you in the butt when you're sitting yeah, in the chair. Absolutely. Did y'all ever clean those places? We would or? pick them up. We would we would pick up the trash, and then we did have a custodial crew that came in overnight that was supposed to really clean the place and mop the floors and stuff. But I don't know that they did because those floors no they the stayed one. sticky. Yeah, as you mentioned, the the you'd have seats that half of them were taped up with duct tape. Yeah, the equipment that we used, the projectors that I was using in there, had to have been from the late fifties, maybe. They were so the, old. And be off track, or and the speaker system that we use. You know how you go into theaters now and they have yeah. the THX and there's. 16 speakers along the right and 16 on the left and you mm-hmm. have all this immersive stereo they ran in mono the, the <laughs> wow. screens that i had there was one loudspeaker back behind the screen because i would go back behind the screen sometimes and see what it looked like back there 
and there was just one like old speaker that was standing there and all the sound went through that one speaker. Wow. So everything you were hearing, there were no speakers elsewhere in the theater. There was just one speaker behind the screen. Wow. Ran in mono. Well, they only charged a dollar, so yeah. it was a buck. And you barely got that much out of it. Was it <laughs> was it first run movies for a buck? No, it was a second-run theater. Yeah, all yeah. second-run yeah, second yeah. stuff. I swear the theater in Lancaster, when they went to dollar showings, I swear they had first-run movies pretty for a dollar. Yeah. yeah. That'd be pretty unusual, I would think. But, yeah, it was a dollar movie theater, and so it'd be, you know, after they weren't making any money in first-run houses, then we would get them. And we would, all the prints that we would have would be used prints, and a lot of them would be really torn up. Hey, so there'd be a lot of edits in it. I'd in be missing scenes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have any money in high school. It was always trying to convince your date. Hey, it's it's kind of a new movie, and yeah. it's going to the movies. Yeah, dollar theater. That place is gross. It was magical. Yeah, it was only a dollar. <laughs> I felt like I was working in showbiz. I'm in the movie yeah, business. Yeah, you kind sure. of were in the movie business. Yeah. The worst though, in being a projectionist. So when I mentioned that i have to build the movies they come in about five reels each like a two hour long movie would come in five different reels and you would have to connect those reels you would load them up onto this huge platter think of a huge like pizza tin thing it was a huge thing probably about three feet across and you'd put the first reel on spin it onto the platter and then you'd tape it to the second reel and then spin that up onto the platter so that you had this huge film that was laying sideways wow. you know on edge on this big platter well those things would be old and unbalanced and if they get unbalanced they have to spin during the movie so if it's a little off center it'll eventually work its way to the edge of the platter and then your nightmare as a projectionist is that all of that film, the 12 miles worth of film, spills out, spills out onto the floor, and there's no way to untangle it at that and point. And no backup. No backup. And that happened a few times. Wow. And you have to give everybody their money back. You have to order a new print. You usually oh, don't get it the next day. Gosh. And so all of a sudden the film is not available, even though you've advertised it, and it's just a mess. So you'll know this. I always thought, and I'm sure this is the case in a lot of theaters or was, that each movie had two pro- uh, projectors. Yeah, each booth. We had three different booths, and each booth had two projectors shining onto different screens. And then the uh, in each film, there are four or five moments where that little mark pops up and it's a dot usually that comes up on the top left hand side of the screen no that tells you to switch projectors in the old days it told you to switch reels so you would have two projectors and then you'd yeah what you're talking about is two projectors onto the same screen and a reel loaded up into each projector and then you'd have to switch it over and then load the next reel while one reel is playing on one projector you load up the reel that comes after that on the other projector but that changed sometime, and I don't know the movie history here, when that changed, but most people went to building it all onto the one single okay. platter, put all the reels onto that, but you would still see those dots at the beginning and end of each reel. At the end of each reel, there would be two dots. So there's one dot that comes up, and then probably about 10 seconds later, you'll see the other dot come up. Dang. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's good that you noticed that. But yeah, that was when you had to manually switch over to the next reel how is it done today is it still the one big reel 
Yeah, I would think that it's all built onto you take all the reels and you combine them. I think a lot of places have gone to digital projection. Yeah. So there's no real film that's being projected mm-hmm. anymore. Which but I'm not even sad. sure about that. Because they still I would see those dots on when I go to the movie theater. Oh. You know, several years ago I was still seeing those dots. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'd be yeah. curious to know how the technology has changed, but I loved being a projectionist because you would have to work really hard for about 30 minutes because all the start times would be staggered five, ten minutes apart, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you would get to just, you'd have like an hour of time, just downtime by yourself. Now, you were supposed to get up every ten minutes and go check on each one, make sure that one of those platter, one of the films wasn't getting off center on the platters at the various booths that you had to police, uh, and that was always nervous when you'd go in there and you'd catch it just before it fell off and you'd have to put these little <laughs> suction cups on the platter to keep the film from falling off. Oh, it was so great, though. It is a fascinating world. I know. We'll continue to follow it for you here on the ticket. 